It's something for nothing. The Rush Fan Cast. Jerry and Steve with you. Jerry, it's a Friday night recording. I love Friday night recordings. It means the weekend has begun. <laughs> That's right. This is where we start getting drunk, right? This is where we start getting drunk. We never get drunk on the weekends. No, that's no, true. Not at all. So today, we've got a great idea that we stole from another podcast. Did we? Where'd we steal it from? Michael Citro of Michael's Record Collection. Oh, that's right. I was listening to Michael's podcast and I said, oh, this is a good idea. Let's do it. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter. We are at Rush Fancast. Instagram, find us at the Rushcast. Email Jerry, therushcast at gmail.com. The bass intro and outro, that's Lex. And Jerry, I'm not going to ask you for an email today because we asked our listeners to email us for this episode. Yes, we asked them to email us questions that they had for us uh, about the podcast, about us, about Rush, opinions, whatever. Topics we haven't covered that maybe we should have covered. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Perhaps. So anyway, we got a lot of emails, didn't we? We did. We got more emails this week than we've ever gotten in a single week. Oh, wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So we're going to try and get to as many of them as we can. We apologize in advance if we don't get to yours, but we're going to try. Yeah. Like I said before, that should be our tagline. We apologize in advance. <laughs> that should be the name of the podcast. Apologies right. in advance. That's a great name for a podcast. Let's do it. It is a great name for a podcast. All right, Jerry. So you want to get started? You've got what? Sure. Over 50 of them. So let's hear one. So I tried to organize the, the questions into questions about the podcast, questions people had for us about ourselves. Okay. And then questions people had about various rush topics. Okay. And you've had a chance to prepare for these. I don't even know what they're going to be. So this is going to be interesting. That is very true. I mean, I prepared for this as much as I prepare for any episode, though. So, Oh, so you didn't prepare at all. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So Dave asks, how did you begin the process for your podcast and your format? And how long before the idea came up was it before you actually dropped your first episode? Oh, wow. Well, let's see. We came up with the idea on our trip to Colorado. That's true. When we went to see Death Cab for Cutie, right? At Red Rocks. At Red Rocks. Which was in June of 2019. Mm -hmm. We came up with the idea. We dropped our first episode on September 2nd, 2019. So there you go. It was less than two months. And was there a process? See, I don't remember there really exactly being a process. Like, here's how we're going to set it up. No, we had no idea what we were doing. Right. Well, basically no thought went into a structure of any kind. Well, we should have put some thought into a structure, but we didn't. <laughs> We didn't put any thought into it. And then later on, as we went along with the podcast, we said, you know what? We should have a structure. I think it just developed naturally. Yeah. Which is probably the best way for any, anything to develop. I think with podcasts, you know, they, they come out of the gate sounding great. It's because they probably did a bunch of episodes and like, this works, this doesn't work, this works, this doesn't work, and take it from there. Right. And we just stupidly dropped our first episode without any thought. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I think it shows. Great question, Dave. Thank you so much. Our next one's from Robert. Okay. He says, I'm sure you have nine to five jobs. How much of your personal time during the week do you spend preparing for a one hour podcast? Hmm. Good question. Just preparing for the podcast or putting it together? I would assume it means putting it together, preparing to record it, then recording it, and then editing it. 
I've been thinking about this, and I would say I average an hour a day between preparing for this podcast, editing it, everything that goes into producing it averages about an hour per day of my time, which is a lot. So for every episode, that's seven hours? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Six to seven hours. Mine's less because you're doing all the heavy lifting on the back end, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it depends on what the topic is. If we're doing an album or a live album or whatever, it's listening to it a few times, taking notes on the songs and things like that. So however many times I listen to the album is how long I prepare for those. The good thing about this episode is I didn't prepare at all. So that's right. No, no preparation whatsoever. <laughs> it will take me some time to edit it though. I cut out the ums and ahs. Yes. And stumbles. And half of what I say. And half of what Jerry says. Yeah. But you and I, we prepare for our interviews a little differently, right? I think so. Yeah. Because I'll just read the book or watch the video of someone or do a little background information, but I don't really come prepared with actual questions written down. Yeah. I like to write down questions. I, I like to think about what questions I'm going to ask and write those down. I don't always get to all of them or any of them sometimes. Right. But I like to have questions in the hopper just in case I'm lost, which I frequently am. <laughs> <laughs> because you and I will meet beforehand, like we said, about 10 minutes beforehand or so to talk about things. And I'll have a list, not of questions, but of question mm -hmm. topics that we decide on. But what I like to do more, I think, than you is listen to what the person is saying and try to pick out little pieces that I can ask a follow-up about. Are you saying I'm not listening to our guests? That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm also, I'm just writing stuff down because I, I know that I don't think I have enough questions. I don't have any questions actually written down. So I feel like I need to be a little more on my toes when someone's talking. Do you know what I mean? I understand. I understand. Lawrence asks, how many emails does the Rushcast receive from Rush fans in a week? And I guess in the beginning, we talked about that. This week, I got 60 emails in response to my call for questions from our email list. But it ranges from zero to 60. 60 was the most we've ever had. And it anywhere in between. Depends on the episode. Some episodes, I don't get any emails. Some episodes, I get 20 emails. Huh. 5, 10, 15, 20, all over the map. I would love to hear from all our listeners. So this is great. I'm trying to think of how many I would have gotten so far. It's got to be probably a thousand maybe more than a thousand emails total. Wow. Over all of our episodes so far. And you've responded to every single one, haven't you? I have not. <laughs> if you haven't heard back from Jerry, it's because he gets a <laughs> lot of emails. Well, it's also because once I put something off, it just disappears. Into the ether. <laughs> right. It's totally behind me. You can see it in, in my daily life around my house as well. Wayne has a few questions. Oh, good. The first one is, how do your wives feel about you doing this podcast? And are they always asking you to get to the other jobs around your house? Well, the answer to the first question is my wife is a huge supporter of the podcast. She's great. And the answer to the second question is yes. Uh, I was going to say no. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, I, you know, just do stuff anyway. I don't have like a honeydew list around the house. And the podcast really doesn't take much time other than recording when nobody, you know, when I'm down here by myself. Right. 
I can listen or prepare in any way, read a book while I'm doing other things or do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think it's tougher for my wife because I disappear to edit for about an hour a day. That's true. His next question is, how do you put each podcast together? Do you meet once a week to plot the episode, go over emails and get guests? We do not. We do not. We meet a few minutes before we're going to actually record an episode to talk about those kinds of things. Yep. And then we go our separate ways. And who emails who or who messages who depends on where we came across our guests. Sometimes they follow you on Twitter, so Mm -hmm. you'll just message them. Sometimes I get emails from different people or I email them through their website. So it really depends. It's probably 60-40 guest-wise, right? Yeah, and a lot of our guests we have acquired from our other guests who have been kind enough to introduce us, which is great. And his last question is, I don't want to put you on the spot, but who is your favorite guest that you've had on the show so far? Wow. I have to think about it. You go first. Well, I think, oh man, I think my favorite guest was Joe Bergamini. Oh, yeah. He was great. He was great. I loved talking to him. He's been on twice now and he's just such a personable guy and such an easy guy to talk to. And he was so generous with his time and he's so talented. If you, if you check out all of his videos, it was just great, great talking to him. There are so many great guests that we had and I could name probably one of 12. Right. But I'm going to go with Johnny Dinklage. Oh, I should have said Johnny Dinklage. He was so much fun, such a great guy, and his stories were just incredible. Yeah. The behind the scenes of the Clockwork Angel String Ensemble. Yeah. I'm going to go with Johnny Dinklage as number one. That's a great choice. It was hard, though, because I've liked so many of our guests. Not every single one. It's been great. Yeah, they've all been amazing. And that was just off the top of my head. I wasn't looking at a list of guests. That's the one I thought of first. Nice. Brent asks, what do your spouses and kids think of Rush? And how many Rush shows have they attended willingly or otherwise with you? Well, we talked about this a little bit last week. My wife had signals before she met me. That's true. And I was thinking later after we recorded that episode, that maybe it was because there's a dog on the cover. (laughs) You think so? And she's a big dog fan. Who knows? That's true. Yeah. I have to get in depth with her on the whole signals thing, but I wouldn't call my wife a rush fan. She likes rush. She doesn't listen to them a lot, but she likes them. And she went to one show with me. That's right. The one show I couldn't go to because you couldn't go. And she got to meet Getty and Alex. There was a meet and greet after the show. (laughs) The one show I couldn't go to. And my kids, let's see, when Rush retired, my son was nine and my daughter was three. So my daughter never, never got to see Rush, is not interested in Rush. But my son is a big Rush fan. And I do regret not taking him to the final show. Yeah. But he was nine. And I don't know if he would have been into it at that point. Right. But now he would love it. Yeah. I mean, my wife... Uh, I think appreciates Rush now more than she did because she actually listens to the podcast, but she doesn't listen to Rush. You know, she's not a Rush fan. Mm -hmm. Uh, My older daughter really loves a couple of Rush albums, Clockwork Angels, Hemispheres. She loves them. And again, they were young when Rush last toured. I think uh, my older daughter was 14. My younger one was 10. 
So they weren't coming with me either. My younger daughter will listen to just about anything with me. And sometimes I listen to Rush. So she knows lyrics and things like that. Cool. If she likes lyrics, she's got to like Rush. Yeah. So she's, I think my older daughter is actually into Rush. And my younger daughter just appreciates what's on. Cool. Let's see. Our next one is from Mark. He said, since starting the podcast, what Rush album had been low on your list, but now you've come around to? That's easy. It's Vapor Trails for me. Same with me, Vapor Trails. When we talked about Vapor Trails, it just crystallized in my brain how great this record is. Yeah, definitely one that got away from me at the time. So I'm glad we devoted so much time to it. That was our first, we'd do four episodes on that? We did three. Three episodes. And we needed to, really. Yeah. That's the first record we really, really dug deep into. And after that, I think I think we kind of hit our stride a little bit as a podcast. Yes. I remember it was just so much fun digging into these songs because I had never really thought about them all that much at all. Yeah, and the tarot cards, the whole thing was just oh, amazing. Man. So great. So yeah, that's definitely, definitely Vapor Trails. I'm glad we agree on that. Um, our friend Derek Bacharach okay. asks... How has hosting the podcast changed you as a Rush fan? Oh, that's a great question. I think it's made me an even bigger Rush fan than I was before. Yes, I agree. Just learning all this stuff about Rush and sort of becoming a Rush-ish expert, I guess, right? Ish, yeah. I don't know if I call myself an expert, but I'm a lot more of an expert now than I was three years ago, that's for sure. That's true. Yeah, I definitely approach some of the songs uh, with a, a certain knowledge that I don't think I approached them with before right. just from having talked to you about them. Mm -hmm. So it's, I guess it's deepened my overall fandom. Oh yeah. I'd say I'm a bigger Rush fan now than I ever was. Jacob asks, what has been your favorite thing you've discovered about Rush whilst doing the podcast? The favorite thing I discovered about Rush? Yeah. I'm going to say it's from the analog kid, the too many hands of my time. The fact that Neil <laughs> stole that from the stick song. That's my favorite thing. My favorite nugget. That's awesome. <laughs> I think mine is just that they have always done so much behind the scenes charity work. I guess I'd never really thought about it before. Yeah, that's great too. I was thinking more of a, a factoid, but yeah, that's great. Yeah, a little, little factoid. Mm -hmm. So this is the last question about the podcast per se. Okay. And it comes from Kenneth. And he says, now that the statute of limitations has passed, what was happening in Steve's mom's car when Jerry drove it to the concert? What was happening in my mom's car? I think he wants to know if we were doing drugs or drinking. Oh, no, we weren't doing drugs or drinking at all. No, not at all. We were, I don't know, I guess... What do you want to call us? We were. I'm waiting for you to call me. No, I'm try, <laughs> trying to think. It just wasn't uh, a thing to do when I went to concerts. I've never really gotten messed up before a concert because I always want to go enjoy the concert. Yeah, I don't think I could enjoy a concert if I was drunk. Right. And I, I would like to remember as much as I can. Some people have never gone to a concert sober. Yeah. But I don't think I've ever gone to a concert not sober. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so nothing was happening in your mom's. She'd be happy to hear that. Yeah, she, she would remembers. be happy to hear that. 
But at other shows, things happened in my mom's car that I probably <laughs> should not mention on the podcast, but I wasn't doing them. All right, then. That's a story for another time. I guess it is. I have another question. Oh, okay. This one's from Twitter, and this one is about the podcast, so we'll throw this in here. How about that? Sure. This is from Steve. On Twitter, he's at Rush Song Picture. What Steve does every day is put up a picture that should remind us of a Rush song and have people guess what Rush oh. song the picture reminds them of. That's clever. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's not. Okay. So Steve's question is, your first podcast aired before Neil's passing. How did the wave of sympathy pouring out from the world affect two Rush fans just trying to get a podcast off the ground? Well, we had been doing it for four months, five months by then, right? Yeah, four months. So I think it changed a little bit of the tenor of the podcast, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. For a few months there, it went from happy, happy, joy, joy to just... <laughs> right. A little more sober. Yeah, for sure. Reflections of things. But I think what Steve was getting at was, did that give our podcast a boost? And it really did, unfortunately. Oh, is that what he meant? Yeah, I it think absolutely so. did. Yeah. The listenership really jumped up by a few thousand in January. It went from, you get to see the incline... And it was because people were searching for things about Neil. Yeah. They just wanted to know stuff about Neil. They were searching, they were Googling Neil and they came across the episode that we did when he passed away. And that's when a lot of people started listening. Yeah. And I'm just glad we offered some healing for Rush fans to be able to listen to that episode and feel like, there were like-minded people out there who were just as sad as they were. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Steve, for the email. Appreciate it. Our listener, Brent, wants to know what our top 10 favorite bands are that aren't Rush. Top 10? Wow, I don't know if I can come up with 10. Well, I mean, I came up with 10. My favorite bands are the ones that I go back to all the time. Okay, go ahead. Obviously, I've mentioned this before, but I love the Indigo Girls. Right. I've seen the Indigo Girls 60 times probably in concert. Wow. It's a lot of times, right? Yeah. Um, and then bands that we both like, there's Cake. Yep. Death Cab for Cutie. Yep. Morphine is one of my favorite bands. I wouldn't put them in my top 10. Oh, I love Morphine. I listen to them all the time. Okay. If anyone doesn't know the band Morphine, I would suggest you take a listen at least to their one album it's called cure for pain okay it's fantastic it's amazing let's see we got the foo fighters yep that's on my list uh they might be giants mm -hmm. i like the doors it's like one of the classic only classic rock bands that i would put on my list of bands that i still listen to regularly then there's this other band called super chunk okay are you familiar with super chunk a little bit a little bit they have a ton of albums, and they're they're pretty cool. Uh, let's see. R.E.M., of course. They wouldn't be in my top 10. And then um, Elvis Costello. Oh, Elvis Costello, of course. I love Elvis. So what rounds out your top 10? I don't, I don't know if I have 10. I, I would put the Foo Fighters in my top 10 for sure. Yeah. They might be giants. This is in no particular order, okay? Death Cab for Cutie. Yeah, definitely. 
And a band I've been listening to recently, you know, in the past five years that I really, really am into is Spoon. Oh, Spoon. I didn't put Spoon on my list. Spoon. And in the Rush vein, I would go with King's X. I had King's X down too, but I didn't know where to put it on like a 10 list. Great power trio. The Beatles got to be on my list. I'm sorry. They have to be. It's the Beatles. That's true. I mean, the Beatles are so good that they just can't even be on your list. Why take up a spot? It's almost like, what's your, one of your favorite things in life? And you say air. Yeah, but. You know what I mean? Yeah, but how could you not put them on the list? They have to be on the list. It's just so obvious that they're so fantastic that everybody should love the Beatles. I know, but if I don't put them in my top 10, people are going to say, he didn't even have the Beatles in his top 10. (laughs) I just assume that everybody loves the Beatles, so you wouldn't even put them on your list. Okay. All right. Another classic band I would put on the list is The Who. Mm, Okay. Love The Who. And my out of left field one, similar to, I guess, Super Chunk for you would be Jellyfish for me. And you know I love Jellyfish. You love Jellyfish. What about some newer bands? Any new bands within the past, past like 10 years that you listen to regularly? I'm an old man, Jer. I don't listen to new bands. <laughs> I have a few new bands that I absolutely love, but they haven't been around for that long. Probably the oldest one is this band called The Front Bottoms. Oh, I've heard of them. Yeah. They're from New Jersey. I love them. Then there's a band I just saw last week in Williamsburg in Brooklyn, The Greeting Committee. Okay. They're relatively new, maybe like five years. And then a band called Mama. Have you heard of them? Yes, I have. That's very good. And um, I think I saw them maybe last month, also in Williamsburg. And then a band with one of the worst names ever, Wet Leg. (laughs) They are so good. The The music is so good. The name, I just the name is just one of the worst names ever. That is a terrible name. Wet leg. Maybe it's derived from the fact that they're so good that you can't even go take a piss during the show. <laughs> it's just gonna run down your leg. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> That's what I'm going for. They are so good, Steve. And they only have like one album, but you should really listen to it. Did you have a wet leg when you went to see them? <laughs> I haven't seen wet leg. I saw mama. <laughs> Great question, though. Brian asks, what's one musical artist we would absolutely not expect you to enjoy? What's one musical artist the listeners would not expect us to enjoy? Yes. Wow. For you, it's probably the Indigo Girls, right? I was thinking the Indigo Girls, but I think it's really Taylor Swift. Oh, yeah, for sure. I've become an appreciator of Taylor Swift over the past three or four years. So I think a lot of people wouldn't expect a a man in his fifties to be excited to go see Taylor Swift on her upcoming tour with my daughter. I'm very excited to go to at least one of the shows. So that's mine. I'm going to have to go with Stanley Jordan, Jared, the jazz guitarist. Oh, okay. You've heard of Stanley, right? Yeah, I have, I've heard of Stanley Jordan. Is that really out of the box for you, music-wise? It's not out of the box for me, music-wise, but it's somebody that Rush fans might not think I'd be interested in, maybe? Oh, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. They'd be surprised? Yeah, I'll buy that for a dollar. I think the interesting thing about our list of favorite artists that we just rattled off is all of them are bands 
or artist that we've seen live. And we talk a lot about, are you a real Rush fan if you haven't seen them live? Which, of course, you are. Yeah. But I think you have a greater appreciation for an artist if you, in fact, have seen them live. And we just go to a lot of concerts. Well, there's that, too. (laughs) (laughs) But, of course, I haven't seen the Beatles live, and I still like them. I haven't seen the Doors. And you never will. I never will. You never will, and they're still great. Now, we've talked about this question a few times, and Andy asks, have you ever tried to convert someone into a Rush fan? I don't think I have. I don't think I've actively tried to make someone a Rush fan, like force them to listen to it. Yeah, I don't think I'm anyone's Rush origin story. (laughs) Me either. No one that I've sat down and said, hey, you've got to listen to 2112, and this is going to blow your mind, man. Right. And Rush isn't even one of those bands that I would recommend to somebody because I assume that if they liked Rush and progressive rock in any way, they would have already heard about them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But maybe we should start trying to convert people. Yeah, maybe. You just walk down the street and be like, have you ever heard of Rush? They're really good. Yeah. It's like saying, have you ever heard of Wet Leg? They're really good. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever tried to get somebody into Rush. It's it's a hard, it's such a hard sell, right? You know what it is? I think I just figured, hey, if you're not into Rush, it ain't going to happen. So It's just not going to happen, right? Do you get it or you don't get it? That's right. Now, Kent asks a very interesting question. Okay. Getty's voice is being universally acclaimed in all the reaction videos I've seen. That's what he says. Okay. And you've seen it too on YouTube, these reaction videos. People love Getty's voice. He says, this cuts against opinions that developed early. Why do you think the same voice would be acclaimed now, but frowned upon when Rush first hit the scene? I think the reaction videos are created by people who appreciate music, who are musically inclined. I think people who don't understand music, understand what makes a great voice, don't like his voice. Mm, People that are making those videos, I think, know what a great vocalist is prior to making the video. Yeah, I assumed it was something more along the lines of popular opinion. Because back in the 70s, there was just an opinion that, Rush wasn't good. Rush wasn't popular. Rush was whatever. And major media outlets would tell you these things. And people would just brush off the band just at first listen. Right. But now they're they're you know, the the camps are dissolving. You know, the clicks, it seems, are dissolving. So people just appreciate whatever. And they they listen to Getty's voice and they don't have the the prejudice of all of these people who have been telling them for years and years that that his voice is terrible yeah maybe the people that are making these videos they're younger and they weren't around in the 80s when rush was getting trashed and rolling stone every five minutes right and they don't think that they should hate his voice there's no preconceived notion right exactly that's exactly what i was trying to say so this is appreciated for what it is and i think there's so much music that's available today And so many people like, you know, you can like any genre of music because you're just can be exposed to it all the time. And the other thing is Getty's voice is unique. Yeah. And that's also what makes it great because there's no other voice out there like it. None. None. 
Nor will there ever be, I think. I don't know. I'm going to say no. Our next question is from Omar. Did you think that Clockwork Angels was going to be Rush's last record? Hmm, that's a tough one. I'm not sure if I remember what I thought back then. I'm not sure. I think as the Clockwork Angels tour was going along, I felt like it was their last record. But the moment it was released, I don't think I thought that. I didn't think that either. I started thinking it was their last album when we went to see R40. It R40 just seemed like, you know, tying a bow on a present. Mm-hmm. And I think we both knew that they just weren't going to tour again and that they wouldn't record any more albums. But what a great final album it was. Yeah. But when it came out, I don't, I wasn't thinking, oh, this is obviously their last album. And as we've said a billion times, the best last album that we can think of, of any rock band in history. Any rock band in history. Dave asks, Rush can only be Rush with the three members, and I'd be fine with Alex and Getty making new music together. But the question I have is, how would fans react if Getty or Alex joined an established band and made music and toured with them? How would fans react? Like, let's say that Getty did something like join Sticks. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's a band that's been around a long time and they just need a new member. Like, what if Yes is touring and they ask Getty to play bass for them? I think fans would react negatively towards that. You do. I, I'm not saying they should. I think they would. Right. If Getty joined Sticks? Well, I'm just, just an example of a band, <laughs> a band that still tours without all of its original members right. and they need somebody to fill in. Yes was a better example because I could yes see Getty example. filling in for Chris Squire for sure. What if he played on the next Yes album? I think fans would be okay with that. I think they'd be okay with it. If he was just a member of Yes now. I don't think Getty would do it, honestly. Right. I, I mean, I don't want to speak for Getty, but I don't think he would do it. But if he did, I think fans would be okay with that. I, yeah, I think fans would be happy. I mean, look at the reaction to Envy of None, right? It's not an established band, obviously. It's a new band. But people were very happy to, to hear Alex playing again. I think if Getty joined Sticks, though, I think there'd be some backlash. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Nothing against Sticks, but that's not a fit, right? Yeah, I guess not. But wouldn't you, wouldn't you love to hear Getty singing Mr. Roboto? That would be great. I don't know, man. I don't know. Domo Arigato, Mr. Roboto? So. I don't think so. That's not one of the songs I, I wish I heard Getty sing. So we got this one question from a number of people, a number of people. Really? And you probably know what it is. It's, do you think we'll ever get to talk to Getty or Alex? I don't think we'll ever get to talk to Getty or Alex. No, I don't think so either. And the reason from my perspective is think about all the hundreds and thousands of podcasts there are out there. Music podcasts, not just yeah. rush podcasts. How many of them would like to speak to Getty Lee? I know all of them, all of them. So I think unless it's somebody Getty knows like Eddie trunk, Getty's not going to do the, the interview because he doesn't know us from Adam. Yeah. Right. I mean, from Getty's perspective, we could do him wrong. Right. So why take the risk? Oh, of course. Yeah. Why take the risk of doing our little show? I mean, I don't think we would. Oh, of course not. But he doesn't know that. Right. We will only do wrong to people we know personally. <laughs> <laughs> and the same goes for Alex. I think 
if he starts doing one rinky dink podcast, he has to do them all. And, and that's, <laughs> that's what we right. are is a rinky dink podcast. Seriously. That's very true. I know. Very dinky, very rinky. <laughs> a little more dinky than rinky, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so I only have one question left, Steve. That's it? Yes. I've got one more from Twitter, Jared, before you wrap up your questions. Okay. This is from Dennis. He's at Dennis Pupolo on Twitter. He says, name a deep track or two that is your favorite off its album. Hmm. So a deep track that also happens to be your favorite song on that particular album. What do you think? Wow. I can go hmm. first if you want. Yeah, please go first. I've got three. You ready? Yeah. Number one is Cinderella Man, which is my favorite track on A Farewell to Kings. Interesting. Love that song. Even over Xanadu, I'm sorry. Number two is Available Light. Okay. And Hand Over Fist, kind of a tie for me on Presto, both deep tracks. Okay. And my third one, uh, you're going to be upset about this one, Uh oh. is Cold Fire from Counterparts. That's your favorite song on Counterparts is Cold Fire? I told you you were going to be upset. <laughs> wow, I'm shocked. I'm just shocked. I'm just shocked. All right. This is a hard one because I don't, I, like we've mentioned before, you know, with our top 10 lists or top five lists that we've done, I'm a pretty populist Rush fan. Right. I really like the hits. There's got to be one album that your favorite song is not the hit. I mean, it would have to be Vapor Trails and The Stars Look Down. Okay. That's my favorite song on that album. But you see, that one's not, I mean. Vapor Trails doesn't really have a hit. Right. You get to the later albums and they're kind of all deep tracks. Do you know what I mean? There aren't any hits. Right. I guess you could say One Little Victory was the single, so you couldn't pick that one. True. I just don't think that on any of the other albums that I like the deep ignored tracks <laughs> as my favorite. I just don't think I just don't have one. Good question though, Dennis. Yeah. Great question. And our last question comes from Chris. It's a pretty easy one, Steve. He says, do you guys consider yourselves best friends? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, of course. Of course we do. Couldn't you tell? It's been 175 episodes. You couldn't figure that one out? <laughs> yeah, I mean, how could we do this every week if we didn't like each other? Definitely best friends, that's for sure. Yeah, spending so much time together doing something rinky-dink, right? I don't think I could have done over 170 episodes of this podcast with someone who wasn't my best friend. Yeah, absolutely. I would have quit a long time ago, Jar. Yeah, we would have been at each other's throats. <laughs> <laughs> great last question great last question right well this was fun it was fun there's so many emails i almost didn't get through them all because you know my my uh adhd or whatever kicked in who knows and we did leave a couple of emails on the cutting room floor yeah there were a bunch that i tried to coalesce into one question like the one about right if we'll ever get getty or alex because so many people asked it that i just asked it as, as one question so if we didn't get to your question on the episode, I'm sure Jerry will reply to you. I will. At least and answer the question. <laughs> there were a couple of questions that I couldn't answer, like I just didn't know the answer to. Okay. One of them, I'll, I'll give you the one example. Okay. I don't know. I forgot who sent it because you know, I, didn't, I didn't prepare it. But somebody asked, everybody knows the derivation of the nickname 
the professor for Neil. But what's the derivation of Lurkst, Dirk, and Pratt? Geez, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. People are asking us trivia questions. Yeah, that was a trivia question. We have no idea. No clue. We're not that plugged in. Well, I'm sure somebody knows. So email Jerry at therushcast at gmail.com. Let him know the answer to that question. You can find us on Twitter, as always, at RushFanCast. Instagram, we are at TheRushCast. The answer to the bass intro and outro, that is Lex. (laughs) That's right. Rate, review, subscribe. We like that on your favorite podcast app. And Jerry, I hope you have a quote to wrap this one up for us. I do. I thought it was fitting that I should quote from chemistry. Oh, nice. Emotion transmitted, emotion received, music in the abstract, positively. Elemental empathy, a change in synergy, music making contact, naturally. Seems to me it's chemistry, Jar. <laughs> That's right. Thanks. All right. See you later.